This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So, you know, the idea of, of like faith and superstition and, and how do we get a faith that actually, you know, you know, faith is this thing that's in search of understanding, in search of trying to figure out the world. And, and we figure out parts and we don't. And, and, and yet we, we want to have this robust faith in our lives. And, and it's interesting, when, when people will ask sometimes, like, you know, not that I get asked this that often, but people ask, oh, I'd love to have a faith like yours. And I think they're getting confused. They're thinking that they want to have a certainty like mine. But it's not, faith is not certainty. We've talked about that a bunch in here. Faith is something far more dynamic and actually far more beautiful. And that's what I want you to join me on over the next three Sundays is, is taking a look at, at, at how faith works and, and how kindness kind of interplays with it. Taking a look at, at as we do every year, we do, we do one book of the Bible every year, sort of a Bible study versus a thematic study. And this year we're looking at the, at the book of Romans. And it's, the, the series is based on, on this basic concept, a beautiful one from New Church. And have you say the K word there? The primary meaning of worship is a life of? Isn't that fascinating? And how much time we, we spend trying to be right versus trying to be kind. You know, it just it's a fascinating concept when we start to see that. And, and you're going to see that here in the book of Romans. Now, it's important to understand, like, as, as we look at this, it's this thing called the Bible, but the Bible is not a continual narrative, like a book that you read that has a beginning and a middle and an end. It's book, the book is really a, a library of different snippets from, from different times of human history where people wrestled with these, with these big questions of life. And eventually, well after the death of Christ, when people got together and they said, look, we need to codify these. We need to put them together so we have a reference. So, so this reference is, is not where we go for certainty, folks. It's where we go to have the conversation. It's where we go to take a look at different things, to, to bring our particular perspectives and to see how the Bible speaks to each one of us. You know, all in a slightly different way. I, I love this concept. The prime... Sacred scripture is like a mirror in which we see God each in a different way. Now, there's a beauty in that, and the idea of, of, of scripture like a mirror, and, and I can read through scripture, and, and I can see something, and I can see something about myself and about the world that I'm joined in, which means that you're going to see something about yourself and the world you're joined in. It's a beautiful concept that allows there to be sort of a, a, dynamic, a dynamic perspective to it. And it's been interesting to me as a pastor, just on a personal level, like, I'm paid to read the book. Yes, wouldn't you love that job? And, and every time I read it, there's, there's just these, these things that are just different. It's, it's this it's the famous Indian saying was, you never step into the same river twice. It's so true with the Bible. You read it, and depending on your state in life, it's the genius of the book, I think, you will see different things that will have relevance and meaning to your life. For example, somebody who's going through this, going through chemotherapy, they'll read the Bible, and they may have a far more of a connection to the warrior God who's going to kick butt of all the bad guys. They're just they're looking for something a little different. You know, the warrior God. But if I'm doing this, a wedding, 
I'm not preaching on the warrior God passages at a wedding. I'm going to preach on other pieces about a loving God and a kind God. So that's why we have to see it as a, as a living, as a living conversation, not as the final answer. Not as the final answer. The challenge, of course, becomes this. We can make, I want to be clear on this, we can make the Bible say anything we want. And that's tough, and it's a little tough to hear. Because I feel like people want so much, they want to like, here's my problem, show me where the answer is. What page is it on? That's not really how the Bible works. What the Bible does and what, what, we're, what we're told to do in, in, from a new church piece is, is we're told to bring it together and, and see what the themes are and then to allow those themes to help us navigate but, but when you get a hold of what true north is, when you grasp what the true north of the Bible is, it helps us to sort through some of the different pieces that might be harder to understand. But then all of a sudden, when I see it as a true north, I can start to get it. Because there are parts of the Bible, folks, that I don't know, this is going to sound so heretical, and my apologies, there are parts of the Bible where where I really struggle with, and I'm not so sure I'm actually supposed to believe those parts. I mean, that doesn't mean that I, that I totally throw them out. It means I kind of put them on the side until maybe another time where I understand them more. But it means that I, I have to have this true north or I can make the Bible, like, say just crazy stuff. I can make the Bible support slavery. If I'm living in Germany right before World War II, I can make the Bible support the, the, the horribleness of genocide. So we have to come back to what is ultimately true. And what the Bible again and again calls us to at this, at this deepest level, which will always be love. It will always be love. And that's why I think Christ's message is so important because we can get all in our heads about who said when, blah, blah, blah. But you look at how Christ lived, and there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about how he lived. There's no doubt that love was primary. And we see that over and over again in these, in these beautiful actions. That creates a lot of grace. A lot of space. And, and so if, if you're sitting here today, and, and you're just not so sure about this whole Bible thing, you know, I, I don't, like, that doesn't, overly worry me. And if even in those parts where you struggle, if you, can sin, if you can continue to come back and see the parts of love, I think you'll start to get what a miracle this book is. I mean, there are just miracle transformations. People who, who lived one way, and then all of a sudden they, they get this message of love, and they live a totally different way, and the different way is so different, we can't even, like, grasp it. I mean, I, I read through some stuff, and I'm like, wow, how did they do that? It's, it's so revolutionary for me in 2019 reading it. How is it that they, that, that, that would have sounded 2,000 years ago? So can I share with you someone who had that story? It's a beautiful, beautiful story. And it's, it's one many of you are familiar with. I'm going to step over here. And it's, it's how the book of Romans is written. 
And the book of Romans is, is written by, by this man by the name of Paul. For those of you who are, who are, who are well versed in the Bible, which is not a lot of people, but some people are, you know, he's originally called Saul. And, and his job, like right after the death of Christ, was there was this growing movement of Christians that were referred to. They weren't referred to as Christians at that time. They were referred to as the way. Because this was a new way of living. And so they start to, to live in that way. And that way, actually, love, that kind of love actually became very challenging to the powers that be. And we see the, the, the faith at that time in that particular part of the world. The professional clergy, especially, were deeply threatened by this new message. And Saul, at that time, who eventually becomes Paul, his job was to go out and persecute those people who had become part of the way. And in one of the more chilling lines of the Bible, he says this. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen, Stephen was was one of the original Christians, was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. It's a chilling line. What happened was Stephen was accused of being a member of the way that carried with it the death penalty. They, They stoned him to death. And so he's carrying, a, he's carrying the robes. Like it, it just, it's hard to imagine like life working that way. And it's hard to imagine sort of faith held that way, where, where literally like he felt that he was doing the work of God in that moment. Thank goodness he changed. Thank goodness he came to see something really different. He includes this line just so we see his journey. And I, I think the power of his story, as I step back over here, is, is we see a dramatic shift. We see a shift so dramatic that after he has this, this vision on the road to Damascus, which many people are aware of, I'm not going to preach on it today, he has this, he has this vision, and he, and he leaves it all behind. He says, my name is not Saul anymore, my name is Paul. I'm going to live totally differently. Like, I'm going to give, listen to this. I'm going to give my life totally, totally to this journey of love. I'm all in. And and, and the miracle of it, folks, was was he, he didn't have to do that. Like, yes, he had a vision. Get it. But he also had a really comfortable, uh, you know, secure life. And he was willing to give that all up to pursue this vision and this mission. And, And the mission got so into his bones, so into his soul, that what he decided to do was to start traveling to spread this message around the world. He went to all different kinds of places, and he left them with letters. And that becomes a large part of the Bible, actually, these letters that he writes to different churches about what the essence of this meaning is. Now, his letters are not considered in new church, they're not considered canonical. We put more sort of weight on what Jesus, Jesus' actual words and what, what Paul said about Jesus, which makes a lot of sense to me. And it makes so much sense when we start to see how his life flipped. And maybe we can just let a little bit of that in today. Like, yeah, what, what happened there? That his life started to change. He started to live very, very differently. A key part to this, folks, as the band comes out, is this beautiful line here. 
God's kindness is intended to lead you. God's kindness is intended to lead you. As the band comes out, I want you to think about that line. I want you to think about what that line really means. Because you think about how revolutionary that was for a guy to have been standing over here and then to have this total shift about God's kindness changing. And just listen to it as the band comes out. Listen to this beautiful line as we start to hear that. From Romans 1, And you were among those who were called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. And then it goes on in chapter 2. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same thing. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on others, you do the same thing. Do you not think you will escape what God's judgment is? But because you are stubborn, that rings true for most humanity, you are storing up bad stuff in your life. God will give to each person according to what he has done. To those who by persistence in doing good, glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. And that's the way it works in our life. It doesn't God's wrath and anger. It's, it's, it's what stirs up in us. There'll be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. And I think we all know that. And then listen to this line again. You will come to learn, realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you. That idea of that, that search for things better than, than silver or gold and, and, the, and the power, like, again, I just don't want us to, to lose track of that, that these are people, the people like you and me. How many of us screwed up more than once this week? You better all raise your hand. Thank you. You know, these are people who make mistakes and, and make them constantly, and yet, yet they found in, in, in this Christian message, they found a total new way of life. And it was a way of life so powerful that, that they literally were, would give their all to it because they, they saw it as, as, as this place where, they saw it as this place where they came alive. Came alive in new and, and absolutely unimagined ways. Now, I, I want to talk about certain parts of this vision as, as he talked about it. And, and again, I, the Bible is fascinating to me in that we can, we can, we can read it so quickly that, that we miss some of the magic in it. And one of the real magical lines from Romans 1 and 2 is this from the first chapter. Gentiles called to, please say the B word there, Gentiles called to belong to Jesus Christ. Now I want to, I want to look at this words, these words here. We're going to leave them up there for a minute. Now the first, I'm going to step over here. That first word, Gentiles. So Paul had had this idea that there was, when he was Saul, had this idea there was this circle of people. And they were the chosen people, which most religions, you know, you look at almost any faith, any faith believes they're the ones with the answer. And the only answer. New Church is interesting that we believe actually they all got, they all got it right in a certain sense. And, and that was, and anyone outside of that circle was referred to as a Gentile. Folks, just give me a shout out here. Give me a shout out. 
who are the heroes of Christianity? When you look at sort of the heroes of Christianity, the people who kind of took this message and really changed the world and changed our nation with it, who can shout out one of those people? I'll give you a hint. One, belief, one of them, their first name is Martin. Come on, folks, help me out. Martin Luther King, thank you. You guys need warmed up a little bit today. Marcus, I'm getting you back up here to sing until they... Martin Luther King. Gandhi. Mother Teresa. You know, Gandhi had the great quote. You've heard me say it before. He said, I loved your Christ. I just don't like your Christians. Mother Teresa, another great example. I think you could throw Emanuel Swedenborg in there, actually. Uh, Father Greg Boyle. Richard Rohr. Dorothy Day. Sister Helen Prejean, who wrote Dead Man Walking. Can I tell you what all those folks shared? They all took the message of Christianity, and they all expanded it by one more circle. Martin Luther King, civil rights. Mother Teresa to the destitute of Calcutta. Sister Helen Prejean to those who were, who were caught in the, in, the, in the absolute horror of, of death row and, and, and all these different people. And, and each one of them kind of took these ideas and then they, they just kind of bumped it out. They kept on expanding the circle. Here's something that's interesting to me. I don't know of a single person in my line of work in Christianity where somebody became a hero because they said, nope, we actually need to make this circle really tiny. Think about that. Isn't that kind of interesting, right? Like all the heroes, and again, we can, we can have different perspectives and right and wrong and if, you know, things like death penalty, people have different perspectives on, have the different perspectives, but, but honor the fact that, that what these people did is that all of them bumped the circle out a little bit. Rachel Held Evans, another one, recently, she passed away, you know, last month, bumped the circle out a little bit. That's why that first word is so important. Because right away he's saying like, yeah, this, this message is for, for those of you, my Jewish brothers and sisters, and it's also for Gentiles. In other words, it's for you and everyone. And then the message goes on, the word called, the word called there, and the word belong. Let's say that together, called to belong. Can we say that together? Called to belong. And it's, and it's easy when we look at that, I'm going to hop back and forth. Sorry for the camera thing here. It's easy to say called to belong and then to go right back over here and go like, yeah, called to belong to a certain special group and thank goodness they're the one group that gets it. Right? You get what I'm saying? Right? Do you think that's Christ's message, folks? No. No, not at all. Not at all. I think Christ smiles and goes like, nice try. Answer B. B is always the right answer. And, and, and let's come back over here, actually. So, so when you look to this Gentiles called to belong, you know, I, I, as you guys know, I'm like a word geek, and I love doing geeky, geeky word stuff. And, and, and no joke, you can look this up, Blue Letter Bible, go on there, and you can, you can Google what, what the actual language was, what the, what the Greek was here. You ready for this, folks? Remember a couple weeks ago I said how much I've been struck by how Jesus is always using the example of wedding banquets, not courtrooms? Called to belong had a connotation of this. Next picture. Literally, it means you're invited to the wedding banquet. You can't make that up. 
That's so good. You're invited to, to belong. You're, you're, you know, here he's saying, like, you are on the guest list. You're on the guest list. You are on the guest list. And most of the people that, that, that Paul is writing to, like, like you think about it, folks, they're in the middle of Rome. Who was the big cheese in Rome? Begins with E, ends with emperor. The emperor, right? Like, like they're in Rome. They're, 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 they're people being killed for this belief. And here's, here's Jesus saying, you know, through Paul, he's saying like, yeah, you, you actually are a chosen people. And your job, listen carefully, you are a chosen people. And your job is to remind everyone of their chosenness too. See how powerful that is? You're all invited to the banquet. And, and again, wedding banquets, folks, it wasn't just like a wedding. Some of you have heard me say this before, but weddings were a week-long affair. They didn't have like Christmas and Easter and birthdays. What they had that was the party were weddings. Like to say that and to say that to people who were mostly peasants, who, who were just scraping by and they were under the thumb of empire to say, look, your name is on the chosen list. You don't even have to pay the cover charge. I'm going to let you right in. There's such incredible power there. And grace. And that changed. Paul's life. Because he saw he was invited too. And he saw his job as simply this, to keep on inviting others. Now, what again are we called to here, folks? You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. Again, that's, don't go back to that. For whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you pass judgment, do the same things. So it's, it's not like Paul is saying that we don't all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Could I please say, could I please hear a big yes? Yes, we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. He's going, yeah, of course. Of course you're going to make mistakes. And everybody does. And that isn't what's going to keep you out of the banquet. So we do have to check ourselves. Do you show contempt for the richness of God's kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Now, now repentance, their words, repentance, it doesn't mean like beat yourself up. Repentance there means, you've heard me say this before as well, like it means to change your mind. Like, you know, that God's kindness is there to help us change our mind. As, as the line says, God's, God's kindness is intended to lead you. And I think we can just start to let that in. Now, now I want to share with you kind of, it's going to take you a couple of seconds to get it. I want to share with you a, a, a picture that a, that a clergy friend of mine took as he pulled up behind a police car in San Diego. And it takes about... 10 seconds, so it'll be like 10 seconds of awkward silence, then about three people will giggle, they'll be the ones who got it. All right? So take a look at this at this picture. You get it? 
Don't, some of you are reading the license plate number. That's not the joke. I love the idea of that simple smile. I could be behind you. I, I think that, that that's the way maybe a lot of us see God as the opposite of that. We kind of see God as behind us, making sure that we use our turn signal and all that, making sure that we're doing things just so. But God's not this cop that's behind us to make sure we follow the law. God's this love in front of us that's asking all of you and asking me to continue to see others, continue to serve as best we can, to work hard at not judging other people, and to do the best we can, like to deliver our best intentions on God's behalf. I mean, that, that I think may be one of the most critical lines of new church that our job, our role, is to deliver our best intentions on God's behalf. And when we have that kind of view, I feel like those things can become deeply true. Folks, this, this, this is where this, this, this choose kindness, kindness first, where it, where it becomes so incredibly powerful and where it can start to, to, to change the world in, in so many different ways. I love this passage from the book Divine Providence. No one is born for hell, but all for heaven. No one's born for hell, but all for heaven. So our job this week, kindness first. Our job is to let and to allow God's kindness in some way to lead us as best we can. I think about how challenging life is. Like this week, I know a number of you, because a number of you have called, have called with really, really, like heart-wrenchingly hard things. And one of my favorite Christian authors said this, and we've talked about this great quote, so she went on a search to kind of find, like, how could I find meaning? And how could she find meaning in her battle with cancer and all the tragedies of the world? And it's not that she came up with the answer. What she came up with was love. But that's the very core. That's, that's what we're trying to do. So to close today's service, to close today's service, I'm kind of going to, going to go off the ranch a little bit here at the end. And what I'd like us to do, because we've, we've come to the end of this fiscal year, we've come to the end of using this space for 10 years, we're going to be in a new space for a little bit and then be returning, is I'd actually like to close the service by just offering my closing remarks and a, and a final prayer and benediction down here, down front. Now, what that means is, is for the people who are new, we just, everybody just comes down front and it's like a big pile of people. And they're very friendly, so don't be intimidated by them. But if we could all come down front for that, for a last blessing, a last few thoughts, I'd really appreciate it as we close this year. And then we're going to close with a final song. So if you folks could please just come on down.
on in here. Scooch on in here, folks. We gotta close the circle. Nobody be shy, we'll be good. Nothing shy about me. Nothing shy. <laughs> 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 we could clo close the circle up here, folks. There you go. Scooch it on around. Scooch it on around. There you go. Rob always leads the way. That's good. more people come on in. Alright. Scooch my Chris, we got room for you in here. Get on in here. Rachel and Eric, we got room for you in here too. Alright. Now folks, just, just for a minute, just look around the circle. You know, we just get these ideas, these higher possibilities of life, these lower possibilities of life. Lower possibilities are fun things. Higher possibilities have beat me. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for what you've done to make this such an amazing, wonderful, beautiful church. Thank you for the way you've served. Thank you for what all of you have been to each other. There's few things that make me happier and on occasion more jealous than to see you go on and do things together. There's incredible beauty in that. See, I, I think what, what Paul's message is, so much of it, is that we can make this new world true. And all it's waiting for is our decision. All it's waiting for is our choice to just say God's kindness is going to lead us as best we can through times that feel so divided. Thank you for making that choice. Thank you for being part of this church. A psalm just comes to mind, a beautiful psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down by the green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for this amazing circle of people. Help us, Lord, to continue to find ways to grow this church, to expand this church, not for us, but for you and for others. A church, a congregation based on service. A church, a congregation based on kindness. A church, a congregation open to your love, and your leading, and your way. Lord, and help us to do this as we end this fiscal year, just to continue to choose, continue to make that choice that will bring life to us, life to others, life to the world. And we all, Lord, in our hearts, in this circle, close with great gratitude over all the gifts, over all the 
love, over all the care that you've held everyone here in. Bless us, Lord. Carry us home. In your name, this day we pray. Amen. Thank you for making back. Let's all stay down here and dance. <laughs> Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.